This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, how are you this morning? Doing well, Sean. Um, it was a rough day yesterday, but hoping the day is a little bit better. But I'm happy to be back here with you to uh, record another episode of Kentucky Daily. Yeah, and this is our mailbag episode, and you know we're going to talk about everything that happened yesterday. Derek, I I was it's hard pressed to find I think a a worse day in UK athletics history honestly that, yesterday was a dark day uh started with the news yesterday morning that Kentucky offensive line coach John Schlarman passed away uh and then followed it last night with Matthew Mitchell you know stepping down and honestly Derek on the Mitchell front I don't think there's ever been anything that's caught me by surprise more than that has yeah, you know, um, I think both of these things are something we'll dig into a little bit more uh, in the mailbag section. But no question, um, with Swarman, just I guess he had to think things. Or as soon as he didn't go to Missouri, it was the first time he had missed a game or anything during his cancer battle. And that's when he had to know it had gotten pretty serious. And just some of the stories that had come out after the Tennessee game, it just kind of had that feeling. But it definitely went downhill pretty fast. Uh, these final few weeks for Slarman and just a huge loss for UK football. And even if at some point it was expected, given the, the seriousness of the cancer, even at the time that he was diagnosed, I mean, I think to have made it two years like he did, over two years um, with stage four cancer. I mean, he was a fighter. Uh, he was, you know, the, the outpouring of support, Sean, it started as soon as the news was out there, and it, it's still going now, a day later. Um someone who touched a lot of lives. And it was Matthew Mitchell, too. Um, obviously not to the same extent of sadness just because it wasn't a death, but at the same time, Matthew's having to step down from a job that he was probably going to have one of his best teams this year because he's not really recovered the way he wanted to from brain surgery. So you're right. It was a, it was a brutal day yesterday for Kentucky Athletics. It, it was. And, and the Shalarma news, even though that you know we, we were expecting – a, a sad ending to that, Derek, and yeah. we could see it going downhill. You know, you and I talked about it at the Tennessee game and stuff. Like that was uh, honestly, it, it's it's a miracle, and it's so like uplifting that he was able to even make it to that point. Like just what he battled through. Co- just think about that. He coached at Tennessee on October seventeenth. I mean, yeah. he he was there that day. You know, traveled and everything, and you know, I'm, now you look back on that win, and honestly, I'm glad that they got that win, and I'm glad that they got that performance, and everything for him. Um, just a sad day, just all around. 
uh, just awful news. I know I texted you this yesterday morning. And I was like, did Schlarman pass away? And then you woke up, and it was just like, you know what I mean. You can never prepare yeah. for that. But honestly, I hadn't even thought that that was coming. I, I just, you know, I thought that he was having some struggles and things. But even we talked about him earlier this week, you know, and the absences on the coaching staff and everything. And it's just uh, thoughts and prayers go out to that family, uh, four kids. Uh, I've met his wife, Leanne, and everything. I've talked to her in the parking lot at games. Just a just a beautiful family and just breaks my heart. And then seeing the reaction from the coaches and the people that knew him and the video that they put together yesterday morning and you know John Summerall's reaction where he couldn't even speak for about 45 seconds just tells you what type of man John Schlarman was. Yeah, he was um... – I, I obviously didn't know him on a personal level. I've covered him for five five years or whatever because he's always been here ever since I've been working in media. Always very respectful. Uh, offensive linemen are typically really good talkers, and he was no exception to that. And, uh, t- yeah, that was definitely the saddest part to me is just how young his family is. I believe his youngest child's three years old, and uh, the oldest is only a teen, just now turned, uh, I think, 14 or something like that. So, that's horrible. I mean, only 45 years old, and uh, you know, I just hard to hard to make sense of it of it all. But prayers out to his family. This is uh, obviously not something you really ever get over. So uh, no. I just want to keep them. I hope everybody just keeps them in your mind. And of course, I'm sure uh, I'm sure moving forward there will be things that the UK football program does to to keep John Sarman. Uh, a little fresh right now, so I don't think they'll announce anything, but I certainly think there will be something named after him, whether it's a ward, whether it's a, a room at the facility. Um, I don't know. If they wanted to build a statue, I think he embodies everything they want, and you got a pretty damn good picture uh, at Florida to uh, model it after. That's the route they want to go. You do. And, uh, man, that would be amazing. And, and too, Derek, I, I want to say this. Given how fast that this kind of unraveled, with him from Tennessee to now. The performance at Missouri wasn't good. I'm just going to go ahead and backtrack and say that that had a, I honestly think that that affected those kids that day and that coaching staff. I mean, I think the I think that they knew that this was coming and everything and that's a lot. That's a lot on your mind, especially when you look at a guy like you said who's had stage 4 cancer and was able to come to work every single day and games and practice and all these things, and then he wasn't able to be there. That's a lot on a team, especially in a year like this. And yeah. a program, Derek, that's just gone through so much with Chris Oates, now with John Schlarman, Josh Pascal. Uh, this is a program that's just been absolutely beaten into the ground in a, from a standpoint of just hurt and just pain. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point, especially in a year like this that – uh it's so difficult either way. It's so different. And um, I think the strength that Schlerman brought, I mean, they certainly, especially that offensive line, I mean, they certainly uh, modeled their game after him in terms of their physicality and, and just toughness and attitude. Um, and to him, for him to not be there that first game, yeah, I think that, that was certainly a thing. And I think you make a good point, too, about the coaching staff. Everything that day just felt kind of off. And Missouri's already a tough enough place anyway to – get yourself juiced up to play just because uh, of the environment over there. So, um, yeah, just just terribly sad. I don't think there's any other way to to put it. And uh, like we said, his family will be in our thoughts and 
We'll we'll talk about him a little bit later. Again, the the one mailbag question that I got is about John, so we'll get back to him once we start that section. Well, if you, if you want to, let's just go ahead and we can dive into the mailbag. I've got three or four questions on my end. Some of it about Matthew Mitchell. So if you want to stay on topic with with Schlarman, I think that was the question you got, right? Yeah, yeah. So the question I got was, can UK football replace someone as important as Schlarman, especially since he made the blue wall cool to be a part of? Um, you're not going to find someone who loved UK, whoever the next coach is. He's not going to be someone who had the tie. Well, I mean, I see good sell ties to UK, but not not in the, you know, John was an All-SEC player from 94 to 97. He'd been here. I mean, he, it was just Vince and, and John Schlarman were the only two left from Stoops' original staff. So whoever comes in to replace him next season is going to be in a – and I don't – there are some names that I've uh, looked into, but nothing that, you know, I mean, the man just died. So it's not something to, I guess, really discuss mm-hmm. right now. But it's going to be really tough, whoever has that job to replace him. Just how beloved John was, how good of a football coach he was. I mean, the offensive line, when he got to UK, and probably up until about those first – Two or three years. Uh, it's probably. I feel like around 2016, Sean is whenever it really started to turn for that group. They were playing like nine or ten guys that year. It started to get pretty deep, and then over the past, uh, ever since then, really 2018 especially, and then last year, really the finest moments I think for that unit, my lifetime for sure. To uh, to have done what they did those years, they were national finalists twice for the national offensive line of the year award. I think probably had a really good case to win it last year with what they were able to do in the run game. Um, it's uh, it's not going to be an easy an easy guy to replace. And, you know, even for the rest of this season, how they get up there and, and go. And I don't even know who's really going to be coaching them or who has been coaching them these last few weeks. But, uh, no, it's uh, a tremendous loss. It is. And, uh, I, like you said, I, I don't know, you know, who feels that or how they feel that, but they, they better have some big feet. Because you know, there's yeah. some big shoes to fill, uh, too. You could, I think, you can credit a lot of Kentucky's turnaround to John Schlarman and that offensive line and how they kind of, you know, found that during that 2016 season. They've just kind of ridden that the last four years, and just a key instrumental piece will forever be remembered for, you know, the impact and just the way that he he's everything that Mark Stoops wants in uh, something in his program, just the way he continued to fight until the end. And you know that they're never going to let his memory die, Derek, especially as long as Mark Stoops is at Kentucky. But then Kentucky football, too, will never let that go away. Uh, moving on to some more questions. I'm just going through. Uh, we'll, let's go with the women's basketball side because I've got a couple of those. It's One just says women's basketball future, and the other one says, who do you think the next coach will be for the women's basketball team? Uh, like I said, I don't think anything, especially anything in this job, 90% of the time we have a heads up or we kind of know something's coming. Last night I had no idea that Matthew Mitchell you know, was going to step down or going to resign and retire from basketball. Derek, I felt like Matthew Mitchell had a lot left in his career if he were, if he were healthy. Uh, been at Kentucky 13 years. I think that that was going to eclipse 20. And I honestly think that he was moving into his best teams at Kentucky, which is the most disappointing thing. Uh, I'm going to go with Kyra Elsey, though. I think that they want to keep this staff intact. I think they have enough Kentucky blood there. Amber Smith's on that staff. Uh, I think that that's what they're – if they have a good year, I think that she will be 
the next head coach at Kentucky. I, I just think that that's probably the simple thing. I know that they reached out to all their recruits last night and confirmed their status. The Cassidy Rowe, an in-state recruit, she's 110% committed. Uh, they actually had Zoom calls with them 30 minutes before the news went public to kind of just prepare them and see where they were. And I just think that the it's it's Elsie's time now, and I think that she'll do well with it. Yeah, I'm not gonna sit here and act like I have a you know a pulse on the who could be a candidate for the job. I'm just putting two and two together. Elsie's been here, I think, four or five years. She's probably recruited a lot of these players that are currently here. She's stepping into a situation, a very very good team. Assuming the season goes well, I would be stunned if she wasn't named uh, as a full-time head coach. So a great opportunity for her. She certainly has her credentials being as someone who was on staff um, at Tennessee and played at Tennessee, right, under Pat Summit. So I would think she uh, certainly is someone who has is, is waited for a chance to be a head coach. And I'd say yes, no, that it's uh, a pretty serious though for Matthew Mitchell. I, th- I thought maybe there was – I thought the new – I got a heads up that there was going to be some kind of announcement from women's basketball. I texted you before, uh, probably about 30 minutes before it came out. I thought maybe it was going to be a deal where he was just stepping away for the season, which you, know, you see sometimes with, with health issues. Somebody will just step away for a year. Um, to step away altogether, though, and to retire uh, – just, you know, I guess my heart goes out to Matthew Mitchell because it had to be a, a very, very difficult decision. But I think one of the great things you can say about Matthew Mitchell is uh, I mean, he certainly left this program in a better place than he found it. He did a great job at UK his 13 years. Not an easy place um, to be at. I'm trying, just trying to think. Like I don't think there was really any success for that program prior to him. Mickey DeMoss you know, had some, some flashes while she was there, but n- never the – you know, the stability and the consistency that they've had under Matthew Mitchell. I mean, the Elite Eight appearances, the NCAA appearances, top four finishes in the SEC pretty much around the clock. Uh, just a – he built Kentucky basketball, women's basketball into a winner that I think that has made it easier for Kyra Elsie to kind of keep that moving along, especially the way that they've recruited. And she has had a big hand in that. So that's why I think that she could be successful – in that role, I just I just found another mailbag question too in uh, my DMs on Twitter, and it's a two part. Part of it is about Schlarman, or I would have answered that one, and then parts about men's basketball, which is what we'll move into next. Uh, this comes from Shane Marks. He says, "How much do you think Coach Schlarman's passing affects this Kentucky football team? Seems like he was just a massive inspiration, and honestly, a cornerstone guy in rebuilding the program, especially trenches to where it is today." Uh, Derek, I think that it, it just kind of we say what we said in the previous answer that it's just one of those things that I don't think you can ever replace John Schlarman. I think that on this team, I think the mental hurdle was the last couple of weeks, and I think it's going to be Saturday as well. I don't know how in the world you go out and play football this Saturday when you've lost that, but I will say this. I think they will play inspired football the rest of the way this season, especially at offensive line. You you know they're going to leave everything out on the field for him. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, yeah, I couldn't imagine going out there to – Saturday is going to be tough. I, I couldn't imagine going out there to practice yesterday. That was the one, you know, you get your final – one of the final walkers of the week with that news still fresh on your mind. They'll have a few days to process it. Um, and I, I think I agree with you. I do think they'll play inspired on Saturday. At least you sure hope they do. Uh, and even if they don't, I mean, human nature, how, how are you going to get mad at them? <laughs> yeah. You know, if they don't play well, just given everything they've gone through this year, 
So I hope they go out there and, and just honestly just, just do their best to do whatever they can to try to make John proud and whatever results may be. I mean, you know, what's been happening, it's, it's, it's bigger than any game. But I, I do like what Stoops had to say yesterday, and the best way that they could honor John is to go out there and, and play inspired football and play hard because that's what he would have wanted. So I think that's what they'll try to do. I do too. And then on the basketball side, same thing from Shane. He said, will Kentucky keep up that shooting clip from deep? They were unguarded, but the three-point drill with three players around the arc seemed like Kentucky shot way better than what I think most fans would have thought, given most Cal teams shooting the ball. Uh, that drill is the you know the five-minute shooting thing that they do. We're top of the key, two wings or two corners. And if you remember last year, Nate Sestina and Johnny Juzang shot lots out during that drill. So I wouldn't put too much stock into that just because it's unguarded. But I do think a couple of guys stood out to me hitting threes, and it was Olivier Saar at the top of the key. I think he has a much better face-up game than I thought he had. And, uh, I mean, you can see that there's shooters there. Dante Allen was shooting the ball well. Uh, Brandon Boston's so smooth with his release. But I wouldn't put too much stock into it. I would put more into the five-on-five stuff that we saw, you know, guys coming off screens and taking shots like that more than I would, you know, unguarded threes for a stretch of five minutes. If that makes sense, it totally does. Um, and I don't know how much uh, I've watched a decent amount of these guys shooting unguarded, and I can tell you that like I'm trying to. I was thinking back to as actually at a Cal campus, Tyler Hero going into Tyler Hero's freshman year. Same with Malik Monk. Malik was back for uh, the camp, and they were doing a shooting drill. Neither one of those guys basically missed in the whole stretch. Like it's not that uncommon for college basketball players or really good players like the ones UK have to um, shoot at a very insane clip when they're unguarded. So once you get into a real game and the bullets are flying, then, yeah, that's obviously something that's much different. But I do think they're going to be a, a I do too. pretty good shooting team. I mean, uh, I don't. Allen, I think, is at the carve out his minutes. He's not really a guy that you would go into the season thinking that he's a lock to play. But if he can guard decently enough and he does hit his shots when they come his way, there's a place for him on this team. Um I'm trying to decide how much I want to say here versus waiting for our Pro Day episode, but I'll I, I go ahead and say Boston has one of those shots that every time it's up, I think it's going in. Just a silky smooth shot that uh, I'll save the rest of my comments about Boston for, for the next episode, but on the surface in, in regards to the question, I, I do expect it to be a pretty good team, especially the point guards. I think Mance and, and Askey are both going to shoot the ball very well. I do too. And then there, there's one more question on the basketball front. It says, who is the men's basketball player that will contribute the most besides the top guys, in parentheses, Saar, Boston, Clark, and Jackson? Uh, tough question, but I will go with Mintz. I think that Mintz will have a big impact just because he's at a position where he's going to play a lot of minutes and he's going to be able to impact way impact the game in a lot of different ways defensively with his shooting with his leadership and his experience just that's the guy that I would go with I'll go with uh I'll go with Keon just a guy who uh still a little limited it sounded like when I interviewed him last night that was about as hard as he had gone in a practice or anything in a while so um I'll stick with him, but I like your pick on Davion. Uh, both those point guards are going to be super important to what they end up doing. But I like Brooks, second year in the program, kind of kid that uh, is, looks like he's changed his body a little bit to me. Yeah. Added some muscle, and obviously he's got a different hairstyle this year, so he just kind of looks like a new player. 
out there. Once he's fully healthy, I hope it's a deal where it's not something that's going to linger the whole season. I hope he can get to a point where he's he's truly healthy and can and kind of show his best. But there are a lot of options to pick from this year. There are. That 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 is that is true, and we'll dive into that on our uh, mailbag episode, or not a mailbag episode, but our pro day episode. Uh, Derek, let's go ahead and let's just make our picks for the weekend of college football in the SEC. There's only three games; four games are postponed. So this should be an easy, quick thing that we do here. Let's uh, let's just start with Vandy at Kentucky. Uh, how do you see that one playing out? I'm going to pick Kentucky, uh, I'd say like 27 to 10. That's right at the spread, right at the spread of 17. Yeah, it so is. That's where, that's where I pick it, right around there. I, I think that's about right. I, I'm going to go Kentucky 34, Vandy 14. Yeah, I, I was trying to decide how many points I wanted to pick UK to score. Um you know, because and Sharman's death yesterday, rightfully so, was was the main focus. Uh, what we don't know for sure is if Eddie Grant will be back calling plays. So like that dynamic, I think is going to be interesting. Um, officially, didn't name a quarterback. We all expect to be Terry Wilson, but just with kind of some of the question marks. I was a little. I don't know how much I want to pick. Um, but man, it'd be wild if uh, Darren Henshaw's one calling the plays and the offense goes crazy tomorrow. That would. Uh, <laughs> That Certainly, you have something to talk about. For sure. Yeah. The, the second game, uh, yeah. Arkansas at number six, Florida. Arkansas, I, I think that Sam Pittman's your SEC Coach of the Year, given what they had been previously and what they've done this year. Big win against Tennessee last week. Uh, Felipe Franks returning to Florida. So there's an interesting storyline there. Can Arkansas keep it close? Well, Pittman's not going to be there. I'm actually kind of surprised this game's getting played, uh, given the test results earlier this week. But I don't know. I don't. I, they, they've done a really good job. Arkansas has. I just. I think Florida's. Florida's really good. I mean, that offense is. They're they're rolling right now. I'm going to say Florida wins it by about two touchdowns. I was going to say somewhere in that range of uh, 14 to 20, Florida. I, I think that Florida is clearly the best team in the East. And I, I think there'll be a, a team in that SEC championship game that, you know, could pull an upset over whoever wins the West. I, I think Florida is honestly that good. Uh, then the last game, South Carolina at Ole Miss. I, I'm going to go Ole Miss. I told you, I just, the last couple of weeks of South Carolina, uh, no, I'm I'm off that train for sure. Did you pick them to be at A&M last week? I couldn't remember. I didn't. I think I I think I picked them to win the week before. I can't remember who they played, and it wasn't even – oh, I picked them to beat LSU, and it wasn't even right, close. Yeah. And then last year, I, last week, I just picked them to get absolutely drilled. Okay, well, I picked right Because I was like – no, I, I don't think they're, they're – they're not good. They're not good at all. Ole Miss all the way. Yeah, I'm with you here. I, I don't think Ole Miss is really that good either, but I know Ole Miss can score. And uh, interesting choices coming up. I mean, that buyout's still very high for Ole Miss champ, and uh, – in these times with COVID, I don't know. I don't know. That's it's a bad place to be in because you you know he's not going to get the job done. And really, shocking, right? Considering a guy who got fired at Florida, a much better football school in South Carolina, uh, is not excelling at South Carolina. Who could have thought it? So yeah, with, yeah, with the same offensive coordinator. And yeah, like I'd put up a donation jar 
at the at the game Saturday, take up money to pay off his buyout and get him out of there. I mean, that's that's not working out, Derek. I know Kentucky I'm fans. I'm sure every team in the uh, oh yeah, I'm sure every coach in the SEC mm-hmm. East is going to be saying great things about Will Muschamp uh, every time he goes out there. Going back to the last point though about Arkansas, I meant to say this in the answer. Kind of a luxury for Arkansas. Barry Odom is going to be their head coach on Saturday. So you're getting a guy who's been an SEC head coach who's beaten Florida twice as a head coach. Um, he might be the best interim head coach in the country. I mean, Barry, it was kind of a shocker when he got fired. Uh, I mean, Missouri maybe wasn't living up to the expectations, but they weren't a terrible program when he was there. Maybe should have been a little bit better. So that's a luxury for the Hogs. But still, at the same time, though, with Florida, I just, I just think there's too much talent on that side of the ball, on Florida's side. I think so, too. And and it's unfortunate this week would have featured Alabama at LSU, Texas A&M at Tennessee, Georgia at Missouri, and Auburn at Mississippi State. So there were some good matchups that were set to be played, uh, some rivalry things. Yeah, it, it's it's unfortunate, you know, that we don't get to watch all those games, but those games will be made up at some point. Uh, so it's a weird week. But as of right now, Vandy and Kentucky still scheduled to be played tomorrow. Uh, this episode has been brought to you by the Butcher's Pub. With two locations, one in Pineville, Kentucky, one in Williamsburg, you can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. Get out there this weekend, watch some SEC football, 12 o'clock, and then two games at 7 o'clock, one at 7.30. Uh, We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.